into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? ready for a new lesson a new 101 we're here talking about guardian from the dc comics uh chris how how old is guardian jim harper well let's see if we go historically uh his, uh the original guardian is one of the golden age classics so he first appeared in star spangled comics number seven back in april of 1942 1942 holy yep <laughs> All right. Well, we'll break more of that down when we when we get to it. But first, uh, maybe give us a little bit of a uh, comic book news. We had today's comic, new comic book day. So what do we have? What are we working with? Yep. So what's on your comic book racks? All right. Well, let's see. DC Comics is of course killing it with Rebirth. Um, lots of good steps. Uh, let's see here. We've got the Batman comic book. I think it's issue ten today. Um, kind of a big issue. We have Bane. We have Bane coming back into Batman's life. Um, I did laugh at the issue. There's a lot of, I will break your goddamn back in there. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. Um, the funnier, the, the best part about that is it's Batman saying it, not necessarily Bane. Yeah, that so, is interesting. Yeah, so if you're, you're interested in some Batman-Bane action, today's the day to pick that up. So with, uh, uh, with, with Bane, um, obviously uh, Nightfall happened before I started reading comic books, but when... Uh, right around the time, and probably a little bit after I started reading comic books, especially Batman, I, re- I started reading Batman around the No Man's Land time. Now, oh, good time. I think, I think that's when they started trying to throw in that storyline, that rumor that uh, Thomas Wayne was uh, Bane's father, also. Yes, yeah. Thank goodness that got forgotten until this very moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they tried to say that at one point. Um, because before there was Bane, there was the drug Venom. And obviously doctors were working on it, testing it here, there, and everywhere. And supposedly, yeah, you know, Dr. Thomas Wayne, for some reason, had to go work in a prison. And, you know, he was like, oh, here's this beautiful woman in prison. Let me knock her up because I'm all about cheating on my wife. And <laughs> Bane and Batman are brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just remember that. And I, I think I think I remember that cover is like... Batman like kind of beaten and Bane has his mask like halfway up and he has his big grizzly beard and he's and he says something about like uh it's okay brother or something like that you know yeah. we, we don't have to fight <laughs> and I was just like what so I think that's maybe one of the reasons I started reading that one and it's always a story that just always stuck with me but yeah obviously it didn't stick with uh, DC I think they were like nah that's okay it's it's just too outlandish you know it's I mean, like, I, I always laugh because I, I, like, what I used to love about comics were the randomness of it. You know, a guy like Barry Allen and a guy like Hal Jordan, they became best friends because of their super heroics, not because, oh, we knew each other, you know. Um, like, I remember, I, like, I always thought that was neat about Marvel, too. You know, like, the Fantastic Four were a family. That's what put them in the situation. But they didn't know Spider-Man. They didn't know Iron Man. They didn't know Thor. And then I think it was when Marvel did Heroes Reborn. Um, so when they, they kicked all the, you know, right after the Onslaught event, 
they had the atomic knights or the the knights of the atomic table or something like that, or knights of the periodic table that's what they should have called it, it <laughs> um but yeah it turns out tony stark reed richards bruce banner uh victor von doom and any other scientific genius it turns out they all went to college together oh yeah and I that's thought right that, i thought that cheapened it you know because it's like oh it was better when it was just random people coming together to be better as opposed to well you know we all have the secret let's just keep giving it to our friends you know exactly um well i mean which is kind of what they kind of do with the you know the summers family it seems like everybody's kind of related <laughs> to the summers somehow and th- thus they carry the x gene like nobody else's business yeah, that's because the Summers put themselves out there, all right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that's probably a joke in the X-Men office, you know? It's like, hey, we got this new character. Uh, how do we get people to care about him? Eh, make him a Summers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, make, him, make him a Summers or a Grey or, or something like that, you know? And eventually, they're going to start bleeding Wolverine into the gene pool, too, and that's going to be the scary part. <laughs> that would be pretty scary. Uh so in, in and obviously it when it comes to like trying to cause controversy in 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 the Batman universe I would say uh it usually does come around to their parent his parents um because if you look at like what was it uh was it Court of Owls when they first started to do that they tried to make it so that Thomas and and Martha Wayne were into uh like some sex dungeon or some stuff like that yeah, they did put it weird. Like they kind of, I think, I don't know if they necessarily were going for eyes wide shut, but yeah, they were like these rich people who were like, oh, hey, let's let's have this this kink to our relationship, and it's kind of like, what, really? Where does that come from? <laughs> and even then, I, you know, out of that, we did get an older brother. I think we got Thomas Wayne Jr., who was one of the owls or something like that. You right. Know? So it's. It just gets weird, you know. It's like, well, wait a second, because wasn't Thomas Wayne Jr. the Owlman from the crime syndicate on Earth 3? You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, hey, that's a good idea in one universe. It doesn't have to be in all the universes, you know. It's Yeah, just, I don't know, it kind of takes from it, in my opinion, you know. And, and I do laugh because, like, nowadays with, you know, with society either, depending on how you look at it, but with society being more open to different things that weren't so taboo open back to yeah taboo so it's funny because it's like you know they'll put it out there that it's you know like oh well this is this is part of their norm and this is what they do because i remember one time there was years ago oh actually it was during the days of wizard magazine and i think somebody put in the letters column and they were like oh you know like how does batman like does batman have sex does he you know and and some like i think it was either the editor or the writer they went to they asked him and they basically said honestly batman doesn't have sex he probably gets as much of uh that that joy from fighting crime as he would having sex and people were like up in arms about that like how could you say that batman's not sick and it's not necessarily saying that he's sick it's just saying well this is that excitement he gets he gets it from another place and <laughs> it's just funny because yeah those that word you use taboo those tabooisms they were never a part of comics because nobody ever cared you know it was kind of like i remember being a kid somebody be like hey how do you think the hulk takes a shit <laughs> no one cares no one wants to see that no <laughs> yeah, yeah that's but nowadays you could probably have a four issue mini series about a constipated Hulk, and at the end he takes a shit, and people will be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it seems kind of silly to think that Batman doesn't have sex, seeing as how I think he more than anybody else in the DC universe is attached to different women all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Well, again, this was. This I mean, was but a you're right. Back. Now, now we've we've seen more writers come in, and you know, like obviously Graham Morrison had a soft spot for Talia. Boom, he's with Talia. And boom, um, he has a child. <laughs> yeah, you know, because of the boom, um, you had. But I get gosh, what you're. Was, I get what you're saying was, that there's there's no there was no need to talk about that aspect of it because in the comic books it was about the adventure. It wasn't about the 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 sexual tension or anything like that. Yeah, you know, it was kind of like a Bond girl. You know, like they'd be there. You probably, you know, there was the allusion to it, but it was never like, yep, here it is, you know. So it is funny. But, you know, obviously different writers have different takes. You know, when when you're writing a character, you get inside their head. So for all intents and purposes, whoever's writing Batman, that's what Batman does is what they do. Right. So they're like, no, this is how I would feel. Because right now I think it's Tim, it's Tom, Tom King. He's writing Batman. So he he loves to, you know, he's like, hey, CIA agent and that's what Batman's getting more into you know it's like okay we're gonna put a lot of this this espionage stuff into Batman and you could even tell because back when he was writing Nightwing the book got turned into Grayson and Dick Grayson was a secret agent right you know? so yeah so who knows maybe that writer was the one who had the weird problems <laughs> <laughs> not Batman <laughs> so okay so what's uh what's what's the next storyline since I derailed you or next well, let's see. Okay, news so, story. Well, the one I would recommend you go out there, uh, Green Lanterns. So Green Lanterns, I believe also number 10 is out today. And we finally see the 10th ring in action. It is the Phantom Ring. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, so basically the Phantom Ring, from what I understand, it can access the whole emotional spectrum. And what's nice about the Phantom Ring is... You can wear it. It doesn't matter if you are without fear, if you can instill great fear or whatever the case may be, you can wear the ring. You know, there's no, like the ring is just like a tool. Somebody picks it up, puts it on and they use it. It doesn't matter what they are and they can channel whatever part of the emotional spectrum. So we actually are introduced to the character uh, is full out the Phantom Lantern. So it's kind of cool. He's kind of got this like purple, bluish, black and white effect to him. Um, And we have the oath. In desperate day and hopeless night, the phantom ring is our last light. We yearn for power, strength, and might. I seize the ring that is my right. So I thought that was kind of, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, the costume kind of seems a little bit parallaxy. You know, if I see it correctly, I think he's got a cape. So you know, it's uh, it's definitely something else. So I'm excited, you know, because that's a. That's another piece of plastic I need to track down for my collection. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you definitely um, have to keep us uh, updated on on that storyline because, I, I mean, it seems weird because the fact that, you know, you Green Lantern is, you know, you can overcome great fear and Yellow Lantern is you can uh, instill great fear. I mean, these are people that are supposed to be worthy of this thing, of this item, whether yep. it be good or bad, and yet the way that you're, I mean, we're kind of describing it here is that <coughs> this is just anybody can pick it up and use it. Yeah, that's pretty much, that's how they're selling it. That's how I picked it up from the, the, the issues. So it's, that's, because that's how they introduced the character. Um, he was supposed to, he's got a name, I can't remember off the top of my head, but this, this character, he was the pilot of the Flaming Spear, which is supposed to be a major, like, you know, like, if you go back to, like, Showcase number 22 or 23, it's one of the first planes Hal Jordan saved. And the pilot is the guy who becomes the Phantom Lantern. Okay. Uh, Jeff Johns retouched on that when he did Secret Origin. And so basically this new writer was like, hey, that'd be a cool guy because he went from that moment being the guy who was going to fly the flaming spear, this amazing plane to, oh, you just got saved by Green Lantern and who cares about your career? (laughs) So, but then you also take into account the oath 
and in it it says it is my right so you got to wonder why it is that you know these phantom rings uh declare that it's someone's right to wear the ring well i'd be curious and i haven't had a chance to fully sit down but i think that's his interpretation because if you read issue nine uh you see this guy he's training he he's actually like like he's training he's sharpening his will he's going to the gym he's fighting crime he's trying to actually prove himself worthy to be a green lantern what up is the ring that was going to go to simon baz actually went to him and he was like oh this is great this is great and at the last second it said nope you know, stronger will detected onto Guantanamo Bay. Uh-huh. And, and, and basically that's why the guy, so now he's like a, you know, fatal attraction type of guy, you know, like he's beyond obsessed and he's angry, you know? So, but yeah, it's definitely, it's developing. So I recommend, you know, I think it's part two. Um, so obviously it'll be interesting to see what kind of breadcrumbs they put out there and how it concludes. So, you know, I always love a good green lantern story, so I'm excited. A um, couple other books. Let's see on the Marvel side of the tracks. Um, I hear better reviews about Champions, so it's barely on issue two. So if you think that's worth picking up, definitely go out there. Uh, Death of X is continuing. Um, sadly, this is another one in the Marvel U that's not doing so hot. So right now, Civil Bore 2 is just limping along. Um, Death of X does not sound too good. The only one I can strongly recommend is The Clone Conspiracy, but I don't think anything came out this week for it, so... No rush to go grab anything there. And, you know, Marvel, I don't know. They need a shot in the arm, man. They're, they're not doing it right now. Well, they I, I, if I heard it right, they have, what, nine X-Men books coming out? Something like that, yeah. Like, I am very excited for Resurrection. But, unfortunately, we have to wait for Death of X um, and then the IVX and then, finally, the Resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I tell you what, though, I am very happy it's happening because we're getting our X-Men back. I mean, a lot of people, they called it the complex with an X at the end. And basically a lot of people were saying, hey, Marvel doesn't care about the X-Men because of the whole Fox, you know, Marvel Studios thing. And, you know, to be honest, I did a lot of reading up on it. I can I can see that. I can believe it's true. Even Tom Bevereux, he was quoted as saying, well, if you've got something to market that gets to 100 percent of your money or part of your money which one are you going to pick so that's why we had a huge boom with the inhumans and guardians of the galaxy um i think what when marvel was celebrating its 75th anniversary you know you 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 saw the avengers and the guardians you know they snuck spider-man in there but you didn't see fantastic four or x-men and that's kind of sad because those are main characters i mean with we have no marvel age and without the x-men well you wouldn't have you know the 90s i mean ever since giant size x-men number one they've been killer until probably grant morrison then they had a hiccup and then you know they've they've been on it and off it and you know right now they're definitely off it so i'm hoping with resurrection that we will definitely have a a new atomic age for our merry mutants that's uh yeah it sounds pretty great um i know that there has been or at least I'd heard on a couple podcasts, you know, some rumors that uh, maybe the reason why uh, Marvel is now pushing X-Men again is because Fox went ahead and let them have uh, Fantastic Four back. So we might be getting oh, that'd be... some Fantastic Four with the, you know, the Marvel X- Cinematic Universe. But who knows? That all could just be conjecture and uh, and rumor. So hey, I, I hope that's truth. I'd be very excited about <laughs> <Not that. laughs> any uh, any of the books you're looking forward to with this resurrection deal 
you know, at the moment, nothing is really striking me, but uh, I can't wait to, to see what happens because, you know, if something like that, this happens, it just means it'll start to mix it up a little. Yeah, well, I definitely, I know for sure, I'm I'm excited for the whole blue and gold aspect to come back. Right. Um, I enjoyed that, and hopefully that means we get our basketball and baseball games. Those were always fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so, you know, th- thanks for the comic book news. I just want to note that we had been off for the last couple of weeks for some uh, technical difficulties, but uh, while we were there, while we were off the air, uh, so to say, we were trying to keep up the conversation going on uh, Twitter. So always make sure that you follow us and you can be part of our conversation there. While we were down, I had posed a question to you, Chris, that um, (laughs) who are two comic characters that have never been romantically linked that you think would make a good story? And I I put up Wolverine, uh, Logan Wolverine, or or James Howlett, however way you want to put it, and uh, Carol Carol Danvers' uh, Captain Marvel. You know, I, I like that idea. I could totally see the first issue. Like, I think that would be fun for like a little arc in the Marvel team up book. And the first issue should be the two of them at a bar trying to out drink each other <laughs> because, you know, his metabolism isn't going to, you know, let him get drunk. And her metabolism, she could she would definitely be using it to burn it off because she doesn't want to lose face in front of Logan. And then just have it something random like the stilt man walks in there and he's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and, I, and then, bam, it goes on a worldwide <laughs> tour. <laughs> and I think, the you know, one of the reasons why I came up with that one is, is because of the, um, I think it was New Avengers book uh, where, you know, they, they were both on the team and they would be playing poker and neither one would like kind of give slack to the other and they would be drinking and, and kind of smoking, smoking up cigars and stuff. So, you know, she doesn't put up with his shit and he, you know, obviously sees her as another, another warrior. So I was like, that would be an interesting relationship. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, two vets, pilots, hard asses, you know, that can definitely smoke a mean cigar and drink down a beer. I think that'd be <laughs> awesome. I like that. I like that pick. And then you threw it back at me with, uh, for DC, you would go with, uh, Dr. Midnight, Peter Cross and power girl. Uh, he says, uh, they missed the boat in the JSA. Guess my picks maybe uh, make Love Blind, which obviously is a play on the character because he's blind. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Well, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that, you know, that would make a great couple because he is, he is so introverted, I, I would have to say, with the way that he, he his character is portrayed. Whereas her, you know, her and her powers are also very extroverted. So it'd be interesting to see how the opposites of the two of them kind of uh, come together. Exactly. That's what I like about it. Because he's kind of like, I mean, he's Batman light. You know, he's like, I, I think it's funny because if they ever could cast. And again, this is the Peter Cross, Dr. Midnight, the the, the, the third one during the JSA run. Um but like he kind of he he makes me think of Dexter the way Michael C Hall portrayed him, so when he's not being Dexter he's got this goofiness and exactly Karen, aka Power Girl, she would be perfect you know she's just gonna be like pushing him, and, and you know I think it would be fun. Uh, they had some good banter I think it was either in the Power Girl book or or the JSA classified arc um, because they had the two of them pairing around because she was kind of like hey there's something going on. My physiology so of course him being the resident doctor of the dcu he was checking her out and i just thought oh man this is fun you know that could have been a really good relationship and you know they just chose not to go that way which was unfortunately 
And, you know, like, that's one thing I always thought that was interesting about that particular uh, Dr. Midnight, because I don't, I don't think I've really read anything with the other two Dr. Midnights, but with this Dr. Midnight, you know, he, he can fight and he can go out there and, and, and throw down with the best of them, but I think he'd be more... You know, he'd be more at home and more at ease by, you know, helping out by st- studying the dead body kind of thing, you know, or uh, being more of a a field or not uh, not a field general, but uh, someone, you know, back behind the lines, giving out the the orders and, and the strategy. So that yeah, oh. it'd definitely be interesting. Yeah, no, he's definitely he's he's better played that way. I know that's how uh, they definitely used him in the JSA book because that way it made his moments when he was out there in the field it made it that much bigger because i always remember uh when they were fighting johnny sorrow and the thing about johnny sorrow was he was just that that big floating mask he had no hair face chippendale from uh the tick comic right it was just this man in a suit and he had this floating mask head and anytime he would take the mask if you looked at it it would kill you and i liked the way dr midnight played that he was like oh here's what i'm gonna do i'm totally going to record him looking at me because I can't see anything and then I'll play it right back at him and and it worked yeah and it was such a weird like seriously but <laughs> it was awesome you know so that's why it's like yeah when he when he has his moments they're huge you know and that's what I love about that stuff I think that's always great and, and then for your Marvel Universe picks you put in Daredevil and She-Hulk which you know, I, I assume that they they've probably worked together a lot, being both being lawyers. But yeah, why why never the romantic hookup? Exactly. Like I know Charles Soule in his run on um, She Hulk, he did have like a crossover between Daredevil and She Hulk, and it was fun and it was lighthearted. And I don't know, maybe he was putting some sexual tension in there. Maybe I was putting some sexual tension in there. But I just thought, why not have those two characters together? I mean, they've got such a a, a passion for justice, you know, passion for the law. They're both superheroes. Go for it, you know. Make get them lawyers in love, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, and then obviously, as uh, as lawyers, they could always have some type of uh, battle in court that would then eventually, you know, might travel out into their personal lives or even their superhero lives. So that would be interesting. Uh, yep, exactly. <laughs> For my DC pick, I went with um, Wonder Woman and Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern. And at the time, I I, I guess I hadn't, I did not know that Kyle Rayner and Donna Troy were a couple. So when you, when you pointed that out, I was like, yeah, that would be that would be really awkward because I mean, Donna technically isn't related to Diana, right? Um, but not she, really. But they. They do have that thought of we're sisters, but I think that's more the Amazonian sisterhood taking play. Right. Plus, but then also Wonder Woman trained her, so I mean that's kind of either it's either a big sister kind of uh, uh, vibe, or but also a, a maybe even a motherly kind, motherly kind of vibe. Right. So yeah, it would be kind of odd, but I mean that's why I think it's always interesting with comic books is they always find a way to get certain characters kind of romantically fused. Uh, like even, I, I think one of the biggest ones is Wonder Woman and Batman there, you know, they, it, 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 to me, it makes a lot of sense for them to be a couple and, you know, they've portrayed it in certain things, maybe the cartoon or certain comic books and stuff like that. But, uh, why isn't other characters don't ever seem to come together? So that's why I thought it was a good little, good little exercise. 
Oh yeah. Well, it is because it's 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 fun, you know. Obviously, chocolate and peanut butter. You know, you put something together and and it makes something amazing. You know, and you're just like, oh man, I wish, I wish we had you know put those things together. Like it's funny lately, I've been doing a lot of back issue reading, and um, I was reading. Well, I'm finally reading Justice League International, uh, the Giffen Dematis McGuire era, and I love it. You know, I just think it's like, man, this is so awesome, and it's funny because they took all these characters and they put them into something that they would not have been, you know, I mean, Batman being with blue beetle and Dr. Fate. What? But it's <laughs> so awesome. You know, the, the chemistry that comes off uh, guy Gardner, you know, he's a part of that mix and you're just like, wow, this is, this is something else. So it's, it's fun. You know, it's, it's, it's a fun thing. So I always think it's neat when you put characters together, um, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, some of the best Justice League lineups have been the lineups that are, you know, unique. You know, you, you just mix mash characters together and you see what comes out of it. And, and obviously relationships carry that same effect. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, oh, man, these two put them together. All right, let's see what happens. And it, it does. It works. I mean, one of my favorite ones that really shouldn't have been together, but it was was dead man and dove i thought that was great that came out of uh, brightest day right that was a like, very interesting wait, relationship. how did they ever get together yeah uh and then funny that you'd bring up guy because uh one of our friends of the show ian flint we've had him on the show before he uh came out with uh why not guy gardner and zatanna i know uh, <laughs> yep and uh and that that is interesting because like I, I mean i know i haven't read a lot of guy or a lot of zatanna but the only time i've ever seen either one of them romantically linked to anybody would be guy would be ice and Zatanna would be Batman. So yeah. why not let them venture out and give them a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, storyline and characterization, which I, m- I imagine guy, when he had all those like kind of outer space stories with being warrior, he probably got, he probably hooked up with a lot of aliens. I would assume they tried to make him the William Shatner of the comic books, but uh, <laughs> that was also Kyle for a while. He, he kind of hooked up with some aliens too, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. No, they definitely they had him play around with that. So yeah, you know, um, I think, I think that works that way. You know, it's just kind of, yeah, take some characters out of their norm and see what happens. I would also and, like to see like how the, the green lantern ring or the power of the green lantern kind of mixes with magic, like Zatanna's magic, because I mean, that's kind of how we have Alan Scott's green, uh, green lantern ring, right? It's kind of a little bit more magic than it is science. Like, uh, everybody else's green lantern ring. Exactly. Yeah. He's more magic based as opposed to scientific based, like the green lantern core. So yeah, it would be interesting to see how that all plays out. But uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and move on to our 101 for this week. And like we said earlier, we're talking about Guardian Jim Harper. Now, uh, that is the original Green... Or, did I say Green Lantern? Did I say, I said Guardian earlier. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to go Green Goblin for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. He is the original Guardian, but uh, as of recent history between TV shows and now the more recent show, Supergirl... And that's the, kind of the reason why we're bringing it up, because uh, the story is that uh, in this season of Supergirl, Jimmy Olsen will th- will now become the Guardian on that show, or Guardian on that show. Uh, in previous shows, like Young Justice, we had um, Young Malcolm. I think in I think in in DC Comics, he's like Malcolm Hornblower or something like that. He beca- he be- he becomes the uh, becomes Guardian in in uh, Young Justice, the cartoon. 
and uh, but they did also have Jim Harper Guardian, so it's it's kind of become a legacy. Yeah, well, he definitely he's he's an interesting one. I guess he's he's a legacy unto himself in a way, um, because yeah, if we start, well, I, mean, I guess it's time to open the can of worms on the character, <laughs> but um, which definitely is a can of worms. Oh yeah, so listeners, go ahead and buckle up. Now is the time to fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> um, so let's see. Yes, in the beginning, you know, back in '42, um, you know, he was led to. We were led to believe he was just, you know, some dude who grew up in the depression in Marvel's suicide slum. Which I personally, DCs. I would love. I mean, it's going to be hard to go back and get those comics, but I'd love to read those. And like, did they actually call it suicide slum? Uh, I mean, that's you know, what... because. It's saying in the the Wikipedia. I, I don't know if that's what is if that's what they called it then. Yeah, so I'd be curious to see. Did they call that? But you know, so the, the way the the, the history has been amalgamed into you know one general cohesive idea. So yeah, he was growing up in the the dirty parts of Metropolis. Um, you know, rough kid on the streets. Uh, you know, but then eventually he he went on to become a cop. He actually you know was like, hey, I, I wanna I wanna be a cop. So he became a police officer. And of course, you know, he's patrolling his home, you know, his home streets of the suicide slum. So he basically kind of took care of the newsboy legion, like four or five kids that were just always running around. They meant to do well, but they kind of came off and like they were doing the wrong thing. So he was their guardian. You know, he literally would take care of them. Um, The guardian, to give you some back, some even like behind the scenes history. So he was also created by the gentleman who created Captain America, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. So they created Cap in March of 41 for Marvel, and then they turned around and went over to the DC side and sold Captain or and sold the Guardian in April of 42. So, you know, a little over a year, and here's another shield-welding superhero to come at you. And he's also and, from, I mean, he's from Suicide Slum of Metropolis, whereas uh, Cap is from uh, Brooklyn of New York. So <laughs> That's true. Good yeah. connection. Yeah, so, uh, you know, they both have their shields. Uh, the original Guardian, back in the Golden Age, you know, he had the yellow boots, blue pant leggings, yellow underwear, blue top, yellow gloves, uh, full face mask. Well, not a full face, but, like, covering his uh, eyes area. Um, a yellow policeman-style dome cap-looking thing. And then a police badge shield, you know, kind of the top with the rounded bottom. And, you know, he, he took care of those kids. You know, he was also trained by a boxer who trained Wildcat and Adam. And, you know, he just was one of those superheroes who would run around the kids trying to do the right thing. Um, then he got slowly retired off, you know, and that's when he himself, when he left Marvel Comics, uh, he came over to D.C. And they basically, D.C. just kind of gave him his own corner of the D.C. universe. And they said, just go nuts, go crazy. And he did. Uh, that's where we, you know, he actually, he had Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. He had the Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen book. And from that, that's where we got the fourth world. So like Mr. Miracle, Dark Side, Calabac, uh, Katana, all these, you know, amazing characters from the fourth world. They spun out of Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, the comic. <laughs> so obviously he, he touched on his old creations. So he had the, the young boys, the Newsboy Legion, they grew up to be the scientist in charge of Project Camdus. And one of their um, projects was actually keeping their mentor, the Guardian, Jim Harper, alive. So they made a clone of him, and they put his memories in that one. So as the body died, the man lived. And that one became the Golden Guardian. 
Um, but that kind of got erased when they did the whole crisis on infinite earths. So, you know, the, the idea is there, but the idea is not right. Um, the classic history we're used to would probably be the second guardian. And he was the one he had the same costume, except the yellow helmet or the, it was no longer a yellow helmet. It was actually a yellow. Um, well, it was a yellow helmet that went down further on his face and the yellow shielding would go to his chest. So kind of tapering off and his shield was more pointed, obviously to make it more effective. And he was the one running around in the, the DC universe during the death of Superman, uh, he was definitely a part of pro- – uh, he was basically like a science cop, you know, running around Metropolis, keeping all these secret projects, um, protecting his newsboy legion. But at the same time, they – I don't know about you, but I think you were probably reading some of those comics all the time. I always felt like those newsboy legions, I felt like they were bad guys when they were working for Camdus. You know, I was like, they're horrible. You know, They're well, just doing these awful things. Well, I guess the first um, time I was introduced to uh, the newsboy – uh, Newsboys Legion, just like is the same time I, I was introduced to the car- the Guardian was when uh, uh, the Reign of Superman, when Superboy was let out of his tube. So the the Newsboys are the ones that let him out, which made me think that they were good guys. And the Guardian ended up when he goes back, gu- the Guardian is kind of the one that trains him to be the hero that he wants to be. Yeah. Well, exactly. Like that was exactly that was the era I discovered him. Like I can actually, I always two two memories come to mind of the Guardian. Um, whatever issue was Funeral for a Friend Part One, I always remember when they wanted to try to restart Superman's heart, you know, with the defibrillator, uh-huh. and everybody was too afraid, and like the Guardian did it. You know, he's like, "Hey, I'll I'll, I'll put the uh, you know put a force field on me, and I'll do it." And I was like, "Oh man, you know, this is nuts," and. You know, he, he did it. He was the one trying to jumpstart Superman's heart. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work, but, you know, he did. But, man, that's – that guy's awesome. You know, he's a great hero and whatnot. And, I you know, I, I just thought he was great. And they also had – it was this book. Of course, you know, when, when events happen, they always have to have a spinoff. You know, so they had um, – uh, it was called The Legacy of Superman. And it was basically all these stories about people – that were dealing, you know, with the death of Superman. So they had one for the guardian and, and that story was just so cool. Like he was definitely like a down to earth man who realizes like, wow, we've got to do, we've got to do a lot, you know, like Superman's dead. And he kind of, I guess he kind of helped me cope with the death of Superman. (laughs) So I just, I kind of respected him as a hero, as a character after that, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, Obviously, he was. He, uh, I I think he probably had a resurgence of his character right around that time uh, to take up the spot of the the big blue boy scout. I mean, he. I mean, the guardian to me would be the equivalent of Captain America in the DC universe. So he would uh, he would be the kind of guy that's that's supposed to be looked up on. Which always thought that which is what made me always think was weird was that he kind of stayed in the shadows. Like even though he wears this golden outfit and he, he stands for the right and stuff, he, he never really gets the publicity. He kind of is just this, uh, especially since he worked for cabinet Labs all the time, all the time, uh, which now I know is because the newsboys connection, uh, he never really gets the, the praise that he should, at least in the, the comic book world from the other, uh, DC people that live in the, that world. Yeah, no, I agree with that. He he definitely seemed like the guy who came 
did the job, but then left. But I think that was probably, you know, because of the project Camdus, you know, like they were just kind of like, well, you know, we come in, we clean up and we leave because half the time Camdus was the one responsible. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, one of our giant freaky monsters was unleashed, you know, like there was even suspicion, you know, that doomsday was one of their creations. They were kind of like, Oh, tell us that's not one of ours, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, when you, I mean, now once you get to, I think it's an infinite crisis. Uh, that's when they kind of start throwing in the history of the of the extra clones of Jim Harper. Yes. So yeah. you have you have this idea that he's raising a son, but it's a, it's a clone of him, and he's not the first clone, and but he's finding that stuff out, right? Yeah, and actually, it was a, it was a girl. He was raising this girl, and it turns out that yeah, it's a an adolescent female version of himself. Okay. Um, yeah. Like basically it kind of, it's kind of funny. Cause I remember when that was going on, that was during the whole um, new Krypton storyline when Superman left earth to go be with the other Kryptonians and stuff like that. Um, because yeah, nobody really knew what they wanted to do with guardian. Uh, he got inducted into the justice league of America back when James Robinson was writing it. And I was excited for that. Cause I always loved the guardian. But then after three issues, they dropped him. You know, they're like, oh, there's too many characters here. Let's get rid of this guy. So I was bummed. So obviously he got a little bit of a resurgence. What do we do with him? And yeah, that's when they introduced this idea that now it turns out that every, like, every time we read the Guardian in the comics, that might not have been the same Guardian. You know, like he would just die. So they'd reclone him, die. They'd reclone him. And so, yeah, one of the Guardians escaped. And that's the one that we were reading about he had the longer hair i think a goatee or a beard you know he's raising a young uh young female version of himself and he's just trying to stay out of the limelight you know like hey i don't want to be a part of this i just want to do my thing and live be a person um which added a whole new element but it was kind of funny because if you look at your comic books talking about the whole relationship between guardian and captain america he basically became nomad Oh, you know, this guy running around raising a child you know and i was just like oh did they do that on purpose as an homage or did they just not realize yeah <laughs> uh, they realized they just they just did it anyways but i mean also around that time didn't they also try to hint at that his nephew roy harper who we know as speedy or red arrow or arsenal was also a clone of him you know i might have missed that maybe i think wasn't that was that just the tv show I don't know. I don't think that. I know I read that somewhere uh, in a book. In a book, so but I think they might have touched on it in Young Justice as well. But it's been a while since I watched it. Uh, yeah, I think. I think they. I think they did it in the show, and then somebody thought, "Well, okay, let's let's bring it to the comics." But yeah, no. That luckily that that didn't pan through. Okay. Uh, it just turns out that they are family. You know, um, he's according to Wikipedia, he's the great uncle. So, you know, at least there's that. But speaking of family, uh, I do remember her, Rob, Roberta Harper. Uh, she's like his niece, great niece or something like that. Um, but she was she was a cool character. She was like basically uh, Tim Drake's Commissioner Gordon. OK. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed her. I think I think they even kept her for a little bit in the Red Robin book. So I thought that was kind of cool that, you know, OK, here we go. A, a legacy character ties into the Batman mythos and all that. So she was pretty cool. Um, but then she wound up uh, moving over to Metropolis. Oh, which yeah, they had her join the, the science police over there. OK, which is funny because that's where the, you know, the Guardian was. So, right. I don't know if they ever had if they were smart, they should have totally had an issue where, you know, like, hey, you're you're my 
you know, great uncle and you're like two years older than me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but yeah, that's so it's interesting that the Harper name uh, as well as the guardian name is becoming a legacy, you know, for uh, both directions. Mm -hmm, Yeah. So talking about Jim Harper and the fact that we talked about Jimmy Olsen eventually is going to become the, the guardian on Supergirl. The character of Colonel Jim Harper has already made his presence on uh, Supergirl, the TV show. So yep. it was played by uh, actor Eddie McClintock. And in that particular episode, he is playing a person that really hates aliens. He's He was friends with the Hank Henshaw uh, on the show that we now know died and was replaced by John, uh, John Jones. Uh, who took on his form? So, uh, which is the man, the Manhunter, the Martian Manhunter, and then you know, Eddie McClintock finds that out, and the two of them really go at it. But obviously, you know, regular guy versus the Martian Manhunter not going to work out so well. Yeah, tends to work that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than that, I can't. Oh, so when we were talking about with uh, Young Justice, um, I guess his name was Malcolm Duncan, who became. Uh, uh, the Guardian on that show, that cartoon. Yeah, and yeah, in, Mel in Duncan. The, in the DC comic comic world, the actual comics, he was uh, Hornblower, and then when we had, I believe it was Infinite Crisis, something happened in outer space, and the horn became part of him, so now he became, like, uh, I think it was Vox, I think it was his name or something like that. And you know what's funny? I, I didn't know this until we started talking about it. Mal Duncan, that character... He's been around since November of 76. Wow. As the Hornblower? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm guessing actually he was just he was just a dude. He was just Mal Duncan. Uh, he became the Guardian. Actually, yeah, it says he wore the original's outfit and an exoskeleton that gave him strength and augmented abilities. Uh, then he finally met the, the, the Jim Harper Guardian in the Superman books in September of 78 and 79. Oh. Because um, he helped rescue, you know, the clone Guardian. Um. Wow. So apparently, you know, this is funny. I'm liking as we're doing this because I'm learning a lot more. Like even Double X, who was the weird alien who always kind of hung around with the Guardian and the Camdus project. Right. He was even around since the 70s. So I mean, geez, this these characters go way back. <laughs> so, but yeah, but actually, but that's kind of cool that even back then, because it's funny because a lot of people, I don't think a lot of new readers, and I mean this to notice respectful way but i don't think a lot of new readers understand that comic books have always been really progressive yes you know because right there you've had mal duncan was the guardian since 76 so i know a lot of times people are like oh you know like because yes you know when when your favorite version of the character doesn't get picked it's tough but it's not because of anything else it's just you know it just didn't get picked so it's awesome to realize that we've had you know we've had an african-american guardian for a long time you know, so that's a it's a very progressive character, and obviously it's a character that's willing to take risk. Because to be honest with you, with Jimmy Olsen being the guardian, that's that's kind of interesting. You know, it's like okay, let's see where this goes. Well, especially um, since, and, and you know, we can we can get into this too. Is that Jimmy Olsen being the the best friend of Superman, or what was he called, Superman's pal for the longest time? Best Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he's had many run-ins where he's gotten powers and, uh, or, you know, got to be a superhero for a day. I think one of the... Yeah, Turtle Boy. <laughs> I was going to say, one of the more popular or famous ones is Turtle Boy. 
Uh, didn't he also yep. have like a uh, like Elastaboy or Elastalad or something like that? Or yeah, there you go, Elastalad. Yep. So, him being a superhero is not new to new to the comic book reader. So now every time we've seen him portrayed either in the movies or uh, Smallville or uh, now Supergirl, um, he's never, I don't think he's ever had powers, but now they're talking about giving him the guardian um, motif. Yeah. Which I'm curious to see what they're going to do. That'll be exciting. I mean, I would definitely like to under, I would like to find out how, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I would prefer that if it's something that's passed down to him, so that we keep that legacy. Obviously, they don't. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna they're gonna keep the Jim Harper connection because uh, they already had the character on the show. But I still would like yeah. someone to pass it down to him. Well, that's what I was hoping for too. Like, I think it would have been like I'm totally fine with because exactly that's where I'm at. I'm in the same stance as you. Like, I like that legacy. You know, like you know, because um, actually, I'll have to ask you since you're the TV guy. Um, but I, I heard rumor that on Agents of Shield, they alluded to there being another Ghost Rider out there. Well, that was the greatest of it thing. Just being Robbie Rise. So uh, I haven't watched last night's episode, but I have heard a lot of stuff come out of it. Uh, but the week previous episode, when they go to the, when the the two doctors in the show that are uh, that are kind of the bad guys at this at this moment go looking for the Darkhold book. They find it in the basement of a house. Now, in this basement, you see a giant poster for the Quinton Circus. Now, if you know the history behind Go- uh, Johnny Blaze, the Ghost Rider, that's the circus that he worked for. And, nice. And then the book is underneath a uh, uh, a trunk that on top of that trunk has a very familiar-looking black leather jacket. So if you want to infer that Johnny Blaze is in this universe somewhere... Um, then you can say that that's more than likely his 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 house that they find this book at. Um, however, I have kind of just glimpsed at things on the internet today as from last night's episode. I believe at some point Johnny Blaze actually does show up, so there could be a connection because last night's episode is supposed to tell the origin of uh, Robbie Reyes, and I don't know. I haven't actually watched the episode yet. Ooh, nice. Uh, so sorry. I guess I dumped some spoilers there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's but, okay. Yeah, you know, but I but I like that. I like when they have that. You know, because like I, I'm totally fine with you know John Stewart, Guy Gardner, Kyle Rayner, Alan Scott. You know, all the other Green Lanterns that are out there. I'm fine with them getting their moment in the sun. You know, because they're somebody else's favorite character. But it's nice to know those connections and see that legacy. So yeah, if they had Jim Harper be the guardian for a moment and then pass it on to Jimmy, that would have been cool. Like, I think that would have been awesome instead of, yeah. Cause from the sound of it, it sounds like he was a villain in the Supergirl show. And it's like, Oh man, you kind of, kind of tarnishing his legacy. Well, it, I mean, it's not so much that he was a villain. And I, I don't want to say that he was a bigot either, but it's just that he kind of was a, a xenophobe to aliens just because his friend died. So like, I mean, you, I, by the end of it, you might, he might've changed his mind. And the other thing is that, the connect the connection to Cadmus Labs might not be there because in the show at this point they've kind of turned Cadmus Labs into this like anonymous group where they're kind of breaking into TV feeds or, or stuff like that and saying uh, you know the, the aliens are causing problems you need to take back your your world from uh, outworlders and stuff so 
if that's what happens, maybe maybe he does work for Cadmus Labs and he and they give him this uh, shield because they've already created Metallo in the show. Uh, they created two Metallos actually. Uh, both, God, I'm kidding. Yeah, both of those failed, and uh, you know now they're like, well, instead of doing all this like work on the inside of the body, let's give the person us outside of the body suit. You know, some kind of exosuit and stuff like that. Maybe that's we Guardian Guardian. Also in the comic books and the in the other cartoons, he always seems to kind of get played. Like, I mean, maybe he's a little too naive or he's too much of a Boy Scout, so he believes in what it is that he's doing, not seeing, and he, he's kind of turning a blind eye to the negative. So maybe he thinks he's doing the right thing, and then he finds out Cadmus Labs is bad, and then you know, as he's dying, he passes on his suit to uh, Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, it's true, and you are right. They kind of they do use him in that character sense where it's like, huh. We need somebody to be the dopey fall guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who can get mind controlled first? The Guardian! <laughs> uh, so, uh, did you have some particular uh, Guardian story that you like really sticks out to you? Because we both kind of already talked about what, where we first know the character from. Well, I guess, honestly, so if you're looking at stuff to read, um, like I said, I, I've always been a fond fan of that comic. It was called The Legacy of Superman, number one. It was just a one-shot. And it was a really cool book because, <laughs> like I said, it basically was dealing with the void that was left by Superman's death. And it opened up a lot of good characters. Wave Rider was in it. The Crime Buster was in it. Um, Rose from the Rose and Thorn kind of idea. And there was another character, but I didn't know his name. Uh, but I recommend reading that one because it kind of it, it introduces you to the zaniness that is the Guardian with all the clones and stuff like that. But it also shows you a lot about his personality. So, you know, that's definitely sitting somewhere in a quarter or dollar bin worth picking up. And there's one other little nugget out there. That's right. I'm going to use that a nugget. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they had a, a four issue miniseries called The Guardians of Metropolis. And basically it was, you know, it was a retroactive story. And it goes back to, you know, the Golden Age Metropolis suicide slum. And in it we see the Guardian and the Newsboys. And they're basically, they were on the front lines of World War II and Apocalypse invading Earth. So it was just kind of like, wait, what? What is this? You know, So, you know, if you want to see some good old-fashioned Golden Age comics with World War II and some New Gods action, definitely pick it up. It's a little four-issue miniseries. I myself picked it up. I haven't had a chance to to read it with with moving it's it's kind of caused my comics to be in three locations that neither exist or know where they're at but um <laughs> yeah nice little four-parter and it, it just looks fun you know it's it's a bunch of you know world war ii and the original guardian so i've yet to read that character so it'll be interesting to see how that goes okay so correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't there okay so i think maybe around countdown to 52 was there a uh, a side story called uh Project Omac. They did have some project Project Omac, yeah, they did. Did, did was he not involved in that story, Project Omac? You know, that's one of those ones where I, I might have been buying those books but not reading them, or I wasn't buying them, so I couldn't really tell you. Okay, um, well, I, I just remember some sometime around there, whenever they were doing the whole him and the clones like storyline. Uh, there was something that I was really interested in. Now I don't know if I didn't. I just stopped buying the book, or if they never finished the story. But I don't remember how it ended. I just remember liking, like the setup for it. So, uh, if you want to go do the research and find that, or if one of our li- listeners do, or maybe if I get the <laughs> chance, I'll, I'll go and look look around and see what I find. But 
Uh, I just remember that was like, oh, this is going to be my real first entry into uh, Jim Harper and the Guardian. Uh, because, like I said, you know, my real my first time introduction to him was in uh, Superboy comic books. Right. Yeah, that's right. He was. He was the mentor to Connell, right? Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the yeah, he was the mentor to Connor. So, uh, and at that time, he wasn't called Connor because I don't think he became Connor until he he met up with the the Young Justice folks. Something like that. And even then, yeah, he didn't get Connell till later. Also, yeah, okay. So I think yeah, didn't like wasn't that when they kind of like revealed he had a Kryptonian soul? <laughs> Something. Yeah. So he's like, oh, so now that you have a Kryptonian. Oh, we can give you a Kryptonian name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Chris. I think that we've done a good <laughs> research of uh, of one of the Guardian One Hundred and One, Jim Harper, and what he has to bring to the table. We can definitely look forward to him, and or at least the Guardian name in the Supergirl show as it comes about. And uh, we'll definitely have more character One Hundred and Ones coming up here in the future. As we seem, all of our TV shows seem to be having more and more characters showing up, which is great because. We don't. We no longer have to think that these characters exist only within themselves and don't have any side characters. You know, these shows are starting to bring it about that. Hey, there's a whole vast world of characters already existent. We don't need to make up new ones. Yeah, I think it is. Plus, it's a great spotlight on characters. You know, obviously, hey, look, we're talking about the Guardian. He wouldn't have gotten his own 101. And now he's going to be a character on Supergirl, so that's awesome. Yeah, last week on uh, The Flash, they brought in uh, Mirror Master and Top, which I was like, I thought we'd never see a Top, you know, on on a TV show. So they did change the gender to a girl, but I still thought it was interesting that they brought her, they brought the character out. Yeah, that is, you know, because the Top, the Top character spent more time dead than they did in actual comic books, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, that's uh, that's going to be us for this week. Uh, if you want to talk to us more about these characters and other characters or who you think in the comic book world should be dating, get a hold of me on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Uh, Chris, you can also be found on Twitter as... Stuff I should say, should being spelled S-H-U-D. And if you want to get a hold of Geek Elite Radio, we're at Geek Elite Radio on, on Twitter. Uh, then go over to our Facebook, Geek Elite Radio, uh, uh, sorry, Facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio, where we do most of our conversation and, and uh, most of our community is there. Uh, then after that, go to our website, which is GeekEliteRadio.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. Uh, but until next time, this has been Imagine If Presents Characters 101 on the Geek Elite Radio Network, saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.